All right, let's have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. All right, Vaughn, what is your favorite Eagles song? Because we're giving away tickets to the Eagles this week, and I'm a big fan myself, so how about you? Uh, Hotel California, of course, and because of a line in it, you can check out any time you like. But you can, you never, can never leave. leave. That's how I feel about British Columbia politics. <laughs> I mean, this is supposed to be the slow season, right? Yeah, right. Well, think. tell that to BC's politicians. No kidding. It has been very busy out there. My other favorite line from the Hotel California song is the pink champagne on ice. And I'm thinking, what kind of hotel is this? Mirrors on the ceiling, pink champagne on ice. Uh, very odd place, but that also they, applies to they, BC. They stab it with the steely knives, but <laughs> they, they still st- can't kill the beast, which is a... Weird buried reference to Steely Dan. Is Look it? it up. I'd heard that rumor, and I'd read about that, but I wasn't sure if that was for real. That's for real? Apparently so. Steely Dan took a shot at the Eagles, so the Eagles took a shot back at Steely Dan. But uh, here we are, disappearing down the rabbit hole of 1970s pop music, and uh, as you know, I can go pretty much as far as you want to. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but we have to talk about the other stuff too, the politics, because this is an interesting day. We've got the healthcare meetings, the Premier's meetings, I should say, kicking off in Victoria this week, hosted by Premier Horgan, and healthcare is big on the agenda. Yeah, and John Horgan is on his final turn. It's a rotating chair that he's in, and he's been there since the Premier of Manitoba retired prematurely early, so he's been there for a while. Uh, Number one priority for Horgan is getting more money out of Ottawa for health care, basic health care programs. He's been on this file for quite a while. Uh, Interesting to follow him last week. He was out on social media, Simi, and he was saying it's time for Ottawa to live up to the Prime Minister's repeated promises, which for John Horgan is as close to being critical of Justin Trudeau as you get. But the other thing he said was he kind of was lowering expectations. He said, we've heard all kinds of comments from the feds that, well, we're working on it, we're working on it, but no sign, according to Horgan, that they take this thing seriously, that they're planning to write the provinces a big check for uh, increased health care. BC's share of the increased funding, $4 billion. So it's not a small ask here by any means. The ask for the whole country is $28 billion. So there is some disagreement, though, isn't there, between the provincial NDP and the federal NDP on this? Yeah, you know, I was really struck by one of Oregon's events last week. He did a a thing where he he met with uh, Jagmeet Singh, who's, you know, out here to see the B.C. Premier and visiting the province. And they both come out and say, hey, we're both on the same page. We both think that Ottawa should put more money into health care funding. And, you know, the thing that stands out to me is that Jagmeet Singh actually had a lot of leverage on that issue when he signed the power-sharing agreement with Justin Trudeau at the beginning of the year. And you look at what Singh agreed to. Number one priority on health care, national dental care program. Number two priority on health care, universal pharmacare. No specific mention of John Horgan's call for the federal government to increase funding for basic health care services. And John Horgan himself, Simi, has said a number of times, we do not need new national health care programs before Ottawa funds basic programs. So I look at that agreement that Singh signed and I go, geez, Premier, your, your national leader isn't yeah. even listening to you on this file. Why should the Prime Minister listen to you? 
And that's, but this is something that all the premiers are facing too, yeah. right? It's a very similar situation in all provinces. Yeah, and look, um, I mean, I'm not overly sympathetic to the federal government on any issue, but you can sort of see Ottawa's point. Their, their point is if they write a blank check to the provinces for more health care funding, there's no guarantee that, first of all, the provinces will actually spend it on health care, and there's no guarantee what they'll spend it on. And there's no guarantee they will announce the money and invite Ottawa to share the credit if, say, they use it to expand the, uh, to build a new medical school at Simon Fraser, which is a BC priority. So uh, the federal government's reluctance on this is that, you know, they're expected to write checks, but they're not allowed to control how the money is spent. And a number of the provinces, I mean, Quebec is the leading example, absolutely refuse to agree to any strings attached on this kind of thing. Right. And also some of the responsibility here, a lot of it will have to do with how we're paying doctors, how we're paying nurses. And that is all provincial. That is not federal. It it is indeed. And again, you know, you're standing there in Ottawa and you're looking at, well, what's British Columbia doing? Well, at the moment, the Horgan government, one of the Horgan government's big priorities is bringing all those food services and janitorial jobs that were privatized under the liberals back into government. They're doing it. They brought thousands of workers back. It's good news for the workers. They're not telling us how much that is costing, but one would assume that the benefits and pay are better in the public service than they are in the private service. So, again, you're looking at it from the federal government's point of view. Is that our priority? Should we give them more money for that? And, you know, that, and, and the other thing, of course, Simi, is, is <laughs> speaking of going down rabbit holes, you get into this argument with the federal government, they go, well, wait a minute. You know, they say we're only giving them 22%. But actually, way back when, we moved some tax room to the provinces. We allowed them to collect more on income taxes, so we would collect less. So we've actually given them more money than they let on. So, you know, it's Canada... It's our specialty, arguing over jurisdiction between the federal and provincial government. Oh boy, it really is. Uh, Let's talk about somebody that we haven't heard a lot from recently, and that is Health Minister Adrian Dix. Yeah, so we did a pandemic update on Friday. It uh, struck me as maybe a bit rushed, uh, prompted by a couple of events. The first is the latest COVID variant. So for those keeping track... The B.C. government now acknowledges that the third wave of Omicron is on us, which is wave number seven for all COVID variants, and it's the most infectious yet. So, yeah, people are going, I wouldn't mind getting my second booster shot if you're, if you're well, you're not eligible because the government is, the cutoff is age 70, which is good news for me because I am 70. Bad news for people who are 69 or living with someone immunocompromised. So I think part of it is that. Also, there's an embarrassing story last week. Vancouver Sun reported it. British Columbians are going south of the border yeah. for health care, right? Now, they're going for the, the second booster shot because no questions asked, they'll give it to you. This has got to be a huge embarrassment to the New Democrats who never stop telling us that our health care system is superior to the American system in every way, including morally. And yet here we are, British Columbians set up with waiting for the second booster here, going south to get it and coming back and reporting, hey, no questions asked. It's great. You just go to Bellingham or Linden or wherever, and uh, they give you the second dose, and you come home and you're boosted. 
Okay, but this also, um, I mean, they're waiting for fall because they said they yeah. want to get these new vaccines, right, that are, that are more attuned yeah. to the variants. That's the cover story. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm the pandemic pessimist. Yes, this. that's true. And I look at this. I mean, go first of all, this latest variant, we were not told to prepare for a more infectious variant spreading this summer. We were told to expect a relatively mild summer. And second of all, this vaccine that's coming in the fall is not approved and is not tested on humans yet. It may well be wonderful. We've had great results from the vaccines that have made it through the screening process. But I can understand how somebody who's, you know, 69 years old or less, who may be immunocompromised them living with someone immunocompromised. And so what they said Friday, Simi, was, well, if you insist, you know, if you insist, right. you can get the second dose. You know, you have to register and you have to make the case. But, yeah, we'll give it to you, but we don't recommend it. Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, our Our system and our advisors try hard. I give them credit for often getting it right. They don't always get it right. And on this one, I can understand why people are skeptical. And I think it would be better, actually, for the government and the rest of us, if somebody who really wants that second dose, a second booster, can get it here Mm -hmm. and not have to go across the border to the United States. Although, again, people are doing that, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. It just doesn't seem right that you have to fight like that to get that if you want to look after your health. Avon, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.